Welcome to How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, a podcast where we talk about performers' worst nightmares on stage. I'm Luke Fagenbush, and I'm here with my co-host. It's uh, I'm Lauren Hutton. And we're also here with uh, Paul, my dog, and Mark Shalafu over here. I thought we weren't going to introduce him. I, th- I, yeah, I genuinely thought we'd Paul. forget that he was here and not address him and just, you know. Yeah. He is a good boy, though. <laughs> he is, you know. I can't be mad. I can't complain about it. You know, I've lost plenty of comedy uh, contests and things, so similar to that. You're expecting to hear that I just said your name, and instead, like, oh, Paul the dog. I'm like, yeah. Another contest to a dog. For all the people in our audience that don't, that aren't Shalafu fans, uh, who is Mark Shalafu in a nutshell? Mark Shalafu is a stand-up comedian uh, genius (laughs) and a comedy writer. (laughs) Fuck yes, this was a fun episode. We had spontaneous dogs. Uh, There was a lot of uh, what else happened? Uh, Probably the best advice we've ever gotten at the end of the episode right yeah just an onslaught of advice so stick around to the end uh this has been great thanks for listening fantastic tried to tweet about ghosts today and it did not go well wait wait, really yeah is it i don't you don't strike me as like a paranormally type person no but it was just a a silly little joke about how i feel and nobody agrees with it but i feel like ghosts should be more introspective you know like there should be a moment where ghosts like wait a minute am i the only ghost (laughs) maybe my unfinished business is learning how to process my rage better you know like it's a cute little... There's a reason yeah. you're the only ghost. They do right. seem really focused on a lot of people. Yeah. And it's like, where's all your buddies? They've moved on to some afterlife that you're not part of. <laughs> Obviously, you're the fucking problem here. You know? It's not that, the, oh, these people are going to the same vacation spot. You got murdered at 30 years ago. So fucking what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. But no one agreed. No engagement. Nope. No that one Elon. that uh, <laughs> might be less of a tweet and more of like a hallmark hour and a half kind of. Yeah. Like yeah. a rude twist on it. Yeah. I feel like you're right. I'm going to delete it. Write a hundred and twenty page. Maybe that's what we should do instead of this. Like, let's just shut it down and start writing. I'm, I'm glad you caught us early in the podcast so we can not waste any more time and work on a. Uh, Spooked? Yeah, this is like minutes. We're gonna, <laughs> let's get a whiteboard in here and start going. I meant to set a timer for like how long we were going to get into the episode before Mark said like we should just stop what we're doing and write more. We should quit. It did not take very long. <laughs> quit this we're going to pitch a movie to home. There's some headphones there if you want them, sir. By no means are you obligated. I got to grab my just beer. For this or to take home? Uh, d- please don't take my headphones. <laughs> Do you want me to grab your beer? You no, are just... Totally handle this. It's fine. Look, ask her. You gotta do some acrobatics. I really should have grabbed that beer. No, I'm, I'm afraid about the remount. It's fine. Do you not the trust remount. 
Mate, we've been doing this for years. We've handled far That's stranger. That's why I know not to trust why you. you. Not <laughs> fucked it up ever doing the steps for the beer. Uh, this is the most cumbersome setup that we've ever done, as far as like right. literal trapeze cords that I have to dance over if I have to get up. To make it more challenging. I like yeah. that. I did, we added a camera, and I've been just freaking out ever since because I don't know how to do it right. And we've done it different every time, and it's like, yeah, this time we put booby traps. <laughs> this is very clean on screen. Is what we're it? looking at, no, not so much, but on, on the the screen. Oh, you mean like yeah, what the yeah. view? Yeah, yeah, no, it looks like garbage from here. Mm. Like, what was your take when you literally invaded our house? Our eyes, and that's what looks like garbage. Like, mm -hmm. and the literal process in the brain, like clearly we're garbage. If you look at it vision wise, it doesn't look great. <laughs> you throw some technology behind it, and all of a sudden, maybe a filter or two. We're looking like Matt Damon over here. Mm. No, none of us look like that. <laughs> that would be the goal. <laughs> Every filter I've ever put on my face either makes me look like Benedict Cumberbatch or Rob Wilfong, and I don't like it. Two people everyone knows. Yeah, everyone, <laughs> you know, broad references. <laughs> I know one of them's still alive. Are they both still alive? They are both still alive, yeah. That's right? good. That's good well, for both of them. Well, at last I heard, like, <laughs> five, six months ago. A lot can happen in six months, though. Just call them. <laughs> Do you have Ben's number? Do you have Rob's? Yeah. Oh, okay, well, let's... <laughs> <laughs> then we'll work on number two. I'll tell you, I'll work on it while you call Rob. <laughs> no, I flaked on dinner plans with that guy. I don't want to call him. Wait, which guy? Exactly. <laughs> Wait, were those the same... <laughs> those the same dinner plans you talked about like a year and three months ago it's been longer since i've seen ron uh he might be dead <laughs> oh my god uh you have all of his flaked plans cataloged like that Was well that no months ago, the dinner? <laughs> <laughs> Seven months ago. you don't know steel trap Fagenbush never forgets a fucking detail <laughs> where were you supposed to go to dinner I don't know. Um, some like, you know, random Mexican place, generic cantina, martinis and apps and nonsense. Martinis is generic canteen. What that the margaritas maybe? I'm dumb, but yeah, that's yeah. what I meant. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I you know, Mexican guy doesn't like some gin. <laughs> Holy shit. Mark, what have you been up to lately, man? Um, you know, I, I Specifically today, I took my kid to gymnastics. I Hell yeah. Backwards from this. So gymnastics before okay. that, I made dinner. All right. Uh, my kids didn't have school today, so I picked them up from their grandmother's house who watched them while I was writing before that. Very important. Quit what you're doing and start writing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my own advice. You know, because I've got a certain process to how I write. And even if what you're doing is being a dad, just find someone else for a few hours. <laughs> you can do your writing. It's sad because like, I don't write as much as I should. And then every day when I pick it up and like I see the date on when I did it last, I'm like, God. Ah, you do that too, the man. Same exact thing. That's or, frustrating. I'll try and go to open mics early, and we've done it like once. 
and get there an hour early and then write. And the last time we did, it was like, oh, I thought I had written two days ago. That's not the number that's that's on the page. I don't like writing right before a mic. Um, I think it's better to write after a set. That's the go-to. Really? Really? Absolutely. Why? A little bit of juice from the set where you're like, all right, now I like comedy again. It was fun. You saw some buddies out there. Maybe yeah. So right, right after a good set. Any set. Maybe it's bad. Maybe you see somebody else that murders. You're like, shit. I should have material like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, that's when you start writing because those creative juices are a little bit more unlocked than they are at 3 p.m. or something like that. But Although I still tried in vain today at 3 p.m. Yeah. Today you got rid of the kids. <laughs> They're out of the picture. <laughs> yeah. I went on a hike because I'm like, you got to capture, you know, enjoy the nature while we have the leaves changing. <laughs> Such an old man. <laughs> It's the leaves. We've got two weeks. It always happens faster than we think. We'll be yeah. gone from these trees by November 2nd. You got to get out there. So I did a little hiking. I respect that, though, dude. Uh, it was a solid little day, all in all. No complaints. I, what Are there any things that you do to try and trick those synapses into firing? Like you said, your juices are going after a show. Like, And you just talked about going on a walk and enjoying nature. What else do you do to try and get yourself into that headspace? Well, I will say I spent a considerable part of that walk wondering why I was such a failure. So it's not like I'm doing. Step one, submerge yourself in neuroticism. That's a great shade of red. But also, I need to be getting into this club or doing leaves <laughs> are dying like my career that's great yeah all good writing processes start with existential dread like that's yeah, it's one of those things where like i love learning about other people's processes because i never feel like i've got it handled i've never gotten it down you know i'm constantly changing and switching up my approach um you know I, i've tried my latest thing this year is to start like trying to embrace gratitude more so i've started like doing like the gratitude journal thing to start and then, uh, so you do a couple of those things and then another short little writing exercise to just try and get myself to, to a more honest place and then oh. into free writing from there just to see what kind of feelings come up and ideas. And then usually I'll get one or two premises out of that that I like. And I'm like, oh, this could be a joke. This could be something. And they're never anything, but <laughs> yeah. it feels a little bit productive. Um, <laughs> But then I'll constantly hear about somebody else's approach and be like, oh, this is what I should be doing. Yeah. It's it. I think that a lot of comics probably feel that way because every podcast you listen to or every comic you work with on the road, you're always like, oh, what do you do? And they're like, what do you do? And, you know, even guys that have been doing it for 15, 20 years are still curious how other guys do it because they feel like there's something that they're they're missing out on or there's a way to do it. I don't. um, But, yeah, so far that that's kind of worked for me. You know, I think the best writing advice I've ever heard was John Mulaney once just saying that, you know, writing is writing and not writing is not writing because there's so many easy ways to be like, oh, I'm going to do this because that'll help me or or I should be using this pen or that notebook or, you know, I didn't get enough jokes out of this what I was writing here. And that doesn't matter. As long as you're in the chair writing, that counts as doing the work, whether you had a day where you came up with like 10 great jokes or nothing usable. That's kind of like, you know, as long as you're putting in the work, you'll get the results. Yeah. Like Luke was talking about this uh, a couple of days ago that there's like, you have to get out those 10,000 words before you find something that works. shitty words. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then you find out that you have to churn out 10,000 more before you get something else good. And sometimes it's like that. You're just 
churning out crap until you find something that actually gets you jazzed and gets a response out of people. So is that what you do when you write? You, uh, I don't try and write bad on purpose, but oh, I did set you up that way. Sorry. (laughs) No, it's all bad, but, uh, it's more like I wrote something today and I don't feel great about it, but it's okay because I'm closer to writing something passable. Okay, so uh, when you sit down to write, you have like a specific idea already? It's not like a free writing? No, I free write a lot. I'll jot down ideas if I have them. And sometimes during free writing, it comes to like a line or a joke that I'll underline and reuse that later. But it's like you were describing, there's a lot of stuff that never makes it to stage. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff that even when it does make it a stage, doesn't make it to a, an important stage. Yeah. yeah, those are two important lines. Like, will you say this in front of people and then will you repeat it in front of people that you care about? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it makes it on stage for like a late show Friday on a club weekend or something. But that's not going to be early show Saturday material that you're throwing out there, especially when it's raw. But, um, you know, that's what you have to do. I, I feel like part of it and maybe that's the same with all creative work It's just relearning the same lessons year after year, just over and over stuff that you already know is true. And you just kind of have to figure it out again and again. Cause like, I yeah. feel that I felt that when I put together my album and putting together that like hour long set that I was taking out. And then I felt that again, even working on a much shorter five minute set where it's like, you know, a few years later, it's a much smaller, more condensed process, but just chipping away at it from like, all right, opening with this, turning three sentences into one and a half sentences, and then taking a, this line and cutting out a sentence there, but connecting it to this bit and getting it into like a really tight five minutes that sets up your viewpoint and kind of establishes who you are. Um, it's just a smaller version of the big thing, but I had to learn that again of just like, Oh yeah, Yeah. this is how it's done. Yeah. This is how you do comedy. You got to take the big things, put in the work to chisel it away and then connect them into the tightest, punchiest little things you can do. And then just do that a lot. Do you ever like, how do you deal with when you work at something so hard, you just beat the life out of it and it started funny and then you just fuck with it enough that it's, yeah, you gotta let it go. And it's hard because I have bits like that where I'm like, this is a good story and the bones are there. And then in my head, I'm like, all right, well, I'm not going to use it for a few months, but I've got that. Yeah. I'm thinking like, all right, now I've got this next 20. I'm going to work on that's a foundational thing that it's close. It's not consistent enough to keep in the regular act, but it's close. And then I pick it back up and I'm like, I don't know. I don't connect with it the same. So I don't feel it as much. And it still just feels sort of listless on stage. and um you know, sometimes you'll bury it and then like years later, you'll pick it up again and then be like, hey, you know, here's a weird thing about ghosts. That- yeah. <laughs> so- yes. And then Twitter will say no. <laughs> Put it back. Put it back. Let's try this again. And you're like, no, that's not anything. And I'm like, really? That's what they said the last three times. I tried this out, but I'll put it away for another few years. Yeah, it but is. If you took pen to paper, there's enough there whether maybe it's not that version, but there's something about that thought or idea that is worth exploring. It is funny that that's the bit that you won't let die. (laughs) Yeah. Can't move on to after life. (laughs) (laughs) One of the ones I can't let go. (laughs) Jesus Christ. That's funny. The bombs are ones that sit with you more 
Because I've got other ones that I just like the one I tried on Twitter and it, it was fine on Twitter. I just tried on stage a lot is that I, um, you know, I've tried so many different ways to get into it, but the crux of the joke is that I told my daughter to dance like nobody's watching because I'm going to skip every recital. <laughs> Straight, nice little thing. And, uh, you know, great little Twitter thing, but on every time I've done it on stage, they just say that it's nothing. Like, I get nothing. And I think maybe because it's too mean for, like, a human to say that... Um, Versus like Twitter is like nothing. So right. you see them like, oh yeah, I like this. Cause I don't see an actual human who's talking about like his kids for 20 minutes before that. <laughs> yeah. That's another joke that I love that just always bombs every time I bring it back out. You're not highly allergic to dogs, are you? I'm not. Oh, okay, that's good. I'm just normal allergic, not like. <laughs> <laughs> you won't stop breathing. You'll just be uncomfortable for the entire time you're here. Yeah, I will not stop breathing, at least for this reason. Yeah. Have you ever been to a podcast where they just surprise you with a release of hounds? That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. cool. I just, yeah. I don't know what else is in store now. Maybe yeah. this door opens. And like, <laughs> it's actually ferrets, but you're right. It is that door. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, this is Paul and Vamp. They're part of the pod. I like that. Uh, uh, all right, well, if that's where it ends, I guess it's not as cool of a surprise, but it would be <laughs> every little bit. You know? Luke, we need more talking. doors. <laughs> we need bigger doors. <laughs> bigger doors. Bring guest animals every show. What's the biggest surprise thing that you like didn't expect to happen at a show? Like, what's the biggest thing that caught you off guard? Um, that's a great question. Thank you. I'm very good at podcasting. Just beyond like the normal, like, cause there's been some crowd work stuff that like that. I feel like that. Yeah. Like beyond that, like really outside the bounds of the parameters of like, is this even a comedy show anymore? Um, I feel like the, the craziest stuff that I've seen on that regard would be like stuff that's happened in New York where, um, you know, like you think you're doing a normal bar show and the show after you, it was because this was in the winter. It was, um, a zombie Christmas pageant. So <laughs> doing my set. And then all of a sudden this back room of a bar starts filling up with people in Santa hats and zombie <laughs> and feels unusual, even for me, <laughs> uh, but it, you know, probably wasn't. There's probably crap like that all the time. Yeah. Um, New York. You, you try and address it and they're like, Obviously, it's Thursday. Like, what are you? Doing? <laughs> well, you know, the first time a joke doesn't do well, you're like, ah, that one killed. See, and you, you know, everyone looks back and they're zombies. Now we're all creeped out. <laughs> <laughs> good feeling, good vibes. Oh man, yeah. Don't mind the army in the back of the room just being pushed forward with Christmas spirit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, everything else is kind of like weird heckler situations and that sort of thing. I mean, some of them have been unusual, but that still falls within the realms of normal stand-up comedy expectations. What's the strangest act you've ever seen on stage? Um, man, that's a great question, too. I will say that the first road weekend I ever had in comedy, I was emceeing in Louisville, and the guy closing played the rock mandolin. And that was his, like, can't that, put like, those words together. No, tattoo of it and everything. No, not like even a guitar act. It's like he's trying to convince himself. <laughs> that was pretty wild. Um, you know, that jugglers, that comedy jugglers, I, I've hate that too. I've had to deal with that. I've never seen that, but good God. 
Um, there was a, I did a show even just recently at uh, Go Bananas, and there were not very many people there. Maybe it was a Thursday night, 10 people maybe, and there was a comedy magician who was traveling through town that wanted to do a guest set. Oh, that was very recent. (laughs) That is is one of those things where it's like, all right, well, this guy is used to doing, you know, corporates, school shows. Right. And there's a built-in audience that can't leave really yeah, he's used to killing in a gymnasium when you have five people in the audience you're like, i need a volunteer and everyone's just like nah <laughs> it's like is the show gonna be canceled i mean what is happening what are you gonna do if we don't yeah no one's there to pick a card out of your deck i want to see the show where everyone just refuses to pick a card and he just has a deck there yeah that's what i said when i got on stage it's like you know what we could have just all played cards <laughs> that might have been more fun yeah, Get some poker going. You brought a deck of cards. It's the it's worst. The worst game of solitaire. Oh, Jesus man. Christ. He's up there picking his own cards. And I wish I could have talked to the guy more because it was like, I wanted to know more about how you go from magician, magician to comedy magician. Like what? Right. Your career. Because I tried to ask him a little bit, but I was on stage also doing stand up comedy for this. <laughs> <laughs> you were busy. You had and things going on. He's been doing magic in some capacity for 20 years and it was 10 years in when he switched to comedy magic um but that's one of those things it's like how bad was it like are you tired of wearing a suit and like yeah yeah after 10 years you know what i need to be the funny guy is it just you can't learn enough magic there's so many questions i had about it's like if you went 10 years in a stand-up, and you're like, no, nah, I'm going to be a ventriloquist, I think. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm going add- like, just- <laughs> to add complication to this already very hard art form. <laughs> so have you, you riff around on stage about other people. Have you ever pissed anyone off, like, really, really badly? Um, not terribly. I have probably gone too far on a few people. Um, but mostly I'm making fun of my friends. So right. yeah, that that's like, key. It's safe. And you kind of know where the lines are. So you can kind of dance around those. I did have one instance where somebody who I was pretty good friends with said something to me afterwards. Like, Hey, what, are you okay? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> are we cool? I was like, yeah, dude, I'm just fucking. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. It's just comedy. Yeah. And that was, uh, <laughs> the only time it happened but it was with a good buddy so that was something that it, it's that's a little disappointing because you're like we're both comics you know i thought you would get this maybe yeah and it's not just like oh you're not a real comic you would have you gotta learn how to take it it's like all right well maybe i need to learn where the line is. <laughs> yeah yeah maybe i went too brutal on him and uh that kind of was educational for <laughs> me but um mo- for the most part i feel like the best comics too are going to appreciate uh, an especially right. well-crafted burn yeah um and if, if somebody's just an asshole, I'm not going to really spend time on that anyway. Yeah. Why waste the energy? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You said that you've like crossed the line a couple of times. Do you care to share? About like whose feelings I've heard? Or- yeah. Like, are there any times where you've, you know, ribbed somebody whenever you're up there and y- y- you made yourself feel bad? Like, oh, did I, did I overstep? Like maybe you had the impulse to apologize. Was there anything like that? Um, I don't think. In terms of like making fun of comics that were on the show before, or okay, so not until that we're just talking like we already have something. Like, you sure there's not something? <laughs> that- <laughs> Again, I didn't mean to set that up that way. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> you know, I'm sure there are times where I feel like I should have apologized or maybe went too hard. Um, it's also one of those spots that I'm in where like sometimes on a show I might be closing it out and I might be the most experienced person. Right. So I might have crossed the line without knowing it. And somebody's like, man, that guy's an asshole. He just made fun of my whatever I did. Um, so there are, it's possible that there are times that I just wasn't aware of it. Some of the times that I was aware of it after, you know, I mentioned the person who was offended by it, but he was doing like the little meet and greet stuff and, and after the, the set. So I was like, oh, look at this guy. He thinks he's the mayor of comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Never, you know, and, I, and the thing that got me with that were there were better comics than us there who were very much enjoying me going in on him. So I feel like I was still young enough in my career. I was like, I shouldn't have done that. But seeing their approval, I was like, oh, yeah, I got validation. Right. Yeah. Especially when the rest of the show's done. It's like, all right, I'm getting the laugh from the back of the room from a comic I like. Maybe I should keep doing this. And uh, that was a mistake on my part. So I learned. Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that. Did you like burn a bridge or? No, 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 no. I'm still friends with the guy now. Gotcha. We cleared it up pretty quickly. Hell yeah. Um, and I think he had some of his own stuff going on where he was, you know, feeling a little bit self conscious about some of the stuff that uh, he might have been doing on stage, too. So it wasn't like I was the oh, only yeah. one. Gotcha. Okay. Something to this fallout. It, it was definitely both of us had you know the right uh stuff going on in our own heads that it kind of brought us to that place yeah I on, see. on a good day most comics know it's like if you're being mentioned in the show it's probably a good thing yeah yeah and it's all on stage but like on an off day yeah it I'm can very be much not a personal beef on stage guy where i'm just like all right this guy wronged me <laughs> <laughs> now's my chance i'd much rather just talk shit anonymously you know to other comics. <laughs> yeah. like did you see that guy <laughs> <laughs> he's still working <laughs> who books that yeah. <laughs> i love that dude have you have you had anybody like go after you that's just like cut into you in a way that that like legitimately hurt your feelings or you felt was over the line? No, I can't remember the last time anybody landed a solid shot on me. You know, <laughs> just <laughs> deflecting shit all day. Yeah, there are times that people will take a shot at like oh, at the throne. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, they'll, they'll make fun of. They never make fun of anything that's truly going to hurt me. And um, and sometimes they are trying to go for it. They just pick bad things. Like, oh, I don't care that I don't wear great shoes. Like, I, right? I, I stopped caring about that years ago. Like, you got to find something better than that. Oh man, have you ever like had somebody go after you and like genuinely hurt your feelings? Um, in my first like year or two of comedy, constantly. But it would like just not even be shit that I would take shit that wasn't about me and be like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, but so you had yeah, to learn to have you, skin. You just kind of learned to be like, it's like, well, first of all, therapy helped me not do that in day to day life, not even comedy. Yeah, that's a big So thing. after you clear that hurdle, it's like, <laughs> it's all fun. <laughs> you said therapy, and Mark visibly just crossed his arms and sat back, like, fuck this shit. <laughs> How dare you just try and bring mental health into this? There's not enough pink in this room for wait, wait, wait. October. For real? October is breast cancer awareness month? Have you ever watched an NFL game? They used to wear the pink uh, cleats and, and nah, stuff like you were unaware. 
Yeah. I had no it's idea. It's the only thing they're trying to accomplish, and you just weren't is, getting it. Is there like a thing for every month? Yeah, there's things for like every day, probably. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's like, yeah, wear gold for this, or wear red for this. There's a different kind of cancer every month, for sure. Yeah, right? We could look it up, and there's definitely a, a month for every cancer. There, like, Alzheimer's has two different months, which is like, did they forget they had? <laughs> 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 Everything's going. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, are there any like weird holidays that you celebrate? No. I mean, I Good for you. Yeah, I should have some weird holidays. I mean, my wedding anniversary maybe. That, that's <laughs> real weird to celebrate that. that. <laughs> I'm jealous of people that are always like, "Ah, today's my comedy anniversary." And like they remember the day of their first set or something. Oh, no like shit. That. Like that's their big thing they celebrate every year. I wish I had that because I would definitely recognize that. I even have seminal sets that I've done in my comedy career that I would put as milestones worth remembering that I still will notice the date and it'll be like three weeks after that just happened. Uh, really? I Why some of those? Post about that or something. Um, for me, like there's always going to be the first open mic that you do is is a big one and it's yeah. probably better part of a year to get on stage the first time really yeah and were was, you writing that whole year well of course he was just I, quitting yeah. what he was doing and writing <laughs> I, had, I had done a uh, radio show and somebody was like you should quit this <laughs> I, I yeah i work on radio and there was a, a comedian that used to live in cincinnati and now lives in kentucky named josh sneed who used to come yeah. all the time he encouraged me to try stand up i'd always wanted to do stand up, right? So on a college trip, I went to see, I went to New York with my girlfriend, who's now my wife. It, this was like probably junior year, maybe, and we did a weekend in New York. And walking through Times Square, got barked into a comedy show at the Comic Strip Live on the Upper East Side. You know, one of those things where like yeah. oh, Central Showcase, yeah. buy tickets. Yeah. Okay. And you don't know better. And the show was great. <laughs> So I remember like being there being like, oh, this was my favorite part of the trip. And, you know, we also did the other stuff. We did the, the sightseeing, the Broadway show and everything. But after that set, I started writing jokes on like a piece of paper that, you know, some street person had handed out, like some sort of. Like, <laughs> what? You know, That's like, awesome. Little bits and things. And so I always kind of had that in the back of my mind. But I was um, working in radio, like in, in college at the college radio station and stuff. So when I made that like career decision, is it going to be, you know, doing radio and I had a journalism job in Cincinnati and I had a job offer in Arizona at a newspaper in Tucson when I finished college. So I was, I had to decide between those two. And if I went to Tucson, instead of doing the radio stuff that I had in Cincinnati, I was going to do stand up comedy to fulfill that extra creative side of me. So um, I ended up staying in Cincinnati, which worked out better for the comedy anyway, because I got this connection with Josh Nee coming on our radio show all yeah. the time. And uh, that got me started into stand up. And my first open mic, I was like, I had the plum spot. I didn't, first off, I didn't have to bring anybody, even though it was. What? Because, nice. you know, Sneed has got a Comedy Central half hour. He's got, yeah. Like, so he was able to just, even on the list for the show, I was just listed as as Josh's friend. I didn't know my name. I was just the second. Tickets at Will Call. Josh's friend. Did they bring you up as Josh's friend? It was, uh, I think this is my friend, my friend. My friend. Right, they got a name, and um, 
I wish I could have remembered what day that was. All I remember was an Ash Wednesday because I went to church just to get the ashes on my head so I could make some uh, horribly tasteless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Visual reference. God, my set was so, so bad. Do you remember anything you said? I mean, I did a... Because here's my problem is I went into it with the idea and I, you know, like I said, I spent a year kind of writing ideas and I would go on this message board that uh, was big for stand-up comedy at the time. 4chan. <laughs> 4chan. <laughs> getting started that is early just comedy before like <laughs> recently <Right. laughs> uh, and then, but on this message where there's a thread of people talking about doing open mics so i just immediately started getting enveloped into this and reading everybody's experiences and what to expect and I was so reverential towards stand-up. I was worried about stealing people's material, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cryptonesia. I decided that mine was going to be the most over-the-top stuff, and that's why all of my first (laughs) bits were just so ridiculous. And I did eventually take something I did in my first set and made it a shorter version, um, which was a fuck the troops joke. Because I'm like, who's going to have a fuck the troops joke? No one's going to have It's almost like there's a rule. I eventually got the fuck the troops thing to work. So that was great. Hell yeah. So, uh, but I remember seeing not that long ago, I was going through some video on my laptop and found a set of me at Wiley's in Dayton, probably three months into comedy. And it is, there are jokes on that that I can't even put online as a goof. No shit. <laughs> no <laughs> shit. Wow. I mean, there's one of them. Like, all right, so I'll tell you one of them. <laughs> and I want to preface this by saying that it got an applause break in Dayton, Ohio. So this speaks well, to the <laughs> Not to Dayton. Uh, <laughs> it was 20, it was... 2010, I want to say. Different times, still dating. 1999. This is a bad joke, and it was a fresh. (laughs) Uh, So it was all about like something about. um, All right, so this is even worse. (laughs) So the the setup for it was that um, like I they always say that chicks dig scars, right? Like that's, but that's not even true because I picked up my prom date and then beat the shit out of her with a car antenna and she did not dig those scars <laughs> at all. Applause! <laughs> Applause! And the whole joke is, they, oh, chicks dig scars. Yeah, right, give them some scars with a car antenna. Car antenna. Car antenna. You got an applause. Applause break. How many people were in that room? Do you remember? 60. Jesus fuck. And then. So that's not just like 12 weird people that are all on the fringe. Like that was the legit. Consensus in the room that I felt. Oregon district, baby. (laughs) (laughs) A similar vein was about my wife was a hypochondriac and I got her to stop asking so many questions because I could tell her she could get a disease by asking so many questions. And I took a pause and I was like, it's the same disease that Rihanna got a few weeks ago. And then I did a dramatic punch. <laughs> oh, no. And that got applause. And I was like, what is going on? Like, I watch that now. I'm like, if this was like in video, that would be. Uh, you were, effort. you were like a different person back then. Well, we're talking yeah. about 2010. That was 12 years ago. But yeah. Still, like, if I saw an open micer doing that now, I'd be like, well, this guy is not in comedy. He's just dead to us all. Like, yeah, that shit wouldn't fly if you saw that in open mic. I'd be like, oh, this, this guy's a clown. That's why I always try to give new people grace. Cause I remember how awful I yeah. was. Yeah. 
And um, there are some other people that I remember being really bad. Wayne Mehmet. Yeah, I don't know if you guys know Wayne, but he yeah. was really bad when he started. Uh, he was somebody I, was, I saw the first few times like, this guy, this is rough. <laughs> and then he had turned out to be a very funny person eventually. Yeah, Wayne is great. That is yeah. one of those things where... Like, you try and give somebody at least the first year without being too judgmental. Right. At least. You know, it can be really hard yeah. to see somebody that's, like, doing insane material, which mm. what I just described is pretty insane. Yeah, that's that's out there. Uh, the, the, the act out of the punch is just, just, God. Yeah. How hard did you sell it? I mean, not hard enough for it to get the last one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to imagine people who do material like that now becoming you in like 10 years and it's right tough. <laughs> yeah like you you've done a huge swing huge swing part of it is because of my approach wasn't like i got on stage thinking like i want to do these jokes it was like i need to be extreme because i don't want to accidentally steal somebody's jokes that they're doing yeah okay so that, was that wasn't like part of your personality it's just like i need to stand out from the pack I yeah what is no one else saying yeah how can i be part of this without being and i did have some dark material i still have some dark material well at least yeah. i would consider it dark i know it's probably not dark compared to to a lot of people but um yeah part of it was definitely me as like an angsty young open micer trying to be different and not like accidentally steal a dave Attell joke or something yeah yeah how can you thread the needle of like standing out and being unique and not taking anything from anyone? Well, yeah, I'll just talk about hitting people with car antennas. Yeah, that's <laughs> wild. No one else is saying it. <laughs> I watch that stuff now. I'm like, man, that is like, because you see stories about celebrities getting dragged for like old tweets if they get. Yeah. Dragged. But I'm always like, man, that God. A joke. I don't know what I would do. I, I would never be in that situation. And then I see that stuff. I'm like, oh, man. Right. Like, that is just reprehensible and you see that and it's not even like it, like i thought all right if i'm up for a big job and somebody found that tape which only exists on my computer <laughs> thank god own, like you brought that with you right I, i'll show you guys that <laughs> you. you'll see that i do the, the act out i'm not just <laughs> <Fuck> yes. <laughs> but i thought like if somebody was like oh look at this video i, I would own that shit 100 be like yeah that was garbage yeah if i saw that now i would yeah. say that's garbage yeah. that was me and it was bad disappointed in who that person was and that's an extreme example, but you should have some sort of distance from your material, especially after a few years where you are disappointed. Yeah, it, right. Not at the extreme tastelessness of it, but at the craft of it. Yeah, the right. quality you know, for sure. This is a set from three years ago at the time I thought was amazing. Now I'm like, OK, well, that's not that good. And if you don't have that feeling, you're probably not getting better as a creative person. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You're not evolving. You're not working. Yeah. Um, and which is why everybody hates like the stuff they've done and, you know, their sp old specials, old albums and stuff. Like on one hand, they know to appreciate them for what they were. They were recorded at a certain time and place. Right. And but you're not that, that person anymore. Work. Right. But yeah. You're not that person. So you're not like super proud of that either. It's a weird spot to be in for sure. Yeah. It's real fun that the best we can hope for is to hate our material in five years. Yeah. Right. No shit. <laughs> hate it with pride. It's just like, yeah, I'm proud of all the work I put into that, but God, I never want to look at it again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's on Pandora. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you 
want to hate something that's that's accessible and yeah is at least making you some money too yeah yeah hopefully jesus you brought up something interesting about like growth and how like hopefully you're always looking back at your creative endeavors with a little bit of of bitterness you know because you don't like it anymore yeah how did the things you looked back on before the pandemic, like how did that time shift happen where comedy got weird and virtual? Like, did that shift your perspective of your growth for those, you know, year and a half or whatever it was? I mean, for me, it didn't shift uh, my approach too much. What changed for me is like, that was around a time I had a really weird time around 2018, 17, so when I lived in New York City, I picked up a digital media day job, which was uh, perfect for comedy where I didn't have to. I could work remotely. Fuck yes. Uh, uh, the office once a week for an hour long thing. I got to hire comics to work for me. And that's dope. No oversight, really. You know, they let me do my own thing. Oh, my God. Yes. Wow. And it was uh, it didn't pay a ton, but it was like, like a cake gig. Yeah. It was foundational for me doing stand up and being able to travel and stuff. When that ended after seven years, and it was like 2018, I want to say, I had this moment of like, I was, I was right about to record my album. It was after I recorded it, but before it came out, where I was like, all right, I need to figure out what I'm doing. Yeah. And um, so part of it was like, do I get a day job? I can't keep touring with young kids and doing it enough to make money. Yeah. So that's the first time in my life I've had a normal day job. Because before that, it was, you know, media, radio, that stuff's not normal. You don't have a yeah. schedule right now. Or you're working on a show that's like three hours every day and that's it. And it's weird time and, and that kind of thing. So I had a day job for like 15 months and like the album came out and it did pretty well. And then I got into a comedy festival that was like pretty prestigious. So that kind of bumped me up a little bit. And then I started making money from the album, which was nice to have. Um, you're very humble in this day job. Yeah. You just said comedy festival. That was pretty prestigious and didn't say which one. That's very humble. But, um, <laughs> so I had a, like I had pretty much given up on the comedy thing sort of, you know, right before and yeah. the album did well and I got a few other breaks. And, um, so that kind of kept that alive. And I was like, you know what? I did the thing that that's 10 years in, I've got this nice body of work and now I'll just kind of do some regional stuff or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I started doing this day job while I was doing that. I, somebody, uh, had seen me in a comedy club and, um, had like a comedy writing opportunity for me to do just like a small freelance thing at first. And that had started to grow a lot. To the point that like three months into the pandemic, I quit the full-time day job, which I only had for 15 months at that point. And that was the first time I went full-time comedy, you know, doing this writing. So it was a weird time for me because I'm like, this is the first time I'm paying all of my bills with stand-up. Even though it was like, you know, 85% this writing job, then like 10% comedy residuals from the album. And then like 5% like virtual shows or right. Shows right. And stuff. But you were doing it. So for me, that was a big change. Cause it's like, I'm putting my main thrust of my creative energy is going to this writing gig, you know, yeah. writing parenting jokes and pop culture jokes and a lot of that stuff, which was a different Avenue for me. I never had that sort of job before. So um, that changed my perspective of like how to be disciplined about writing especially when it, you're counting on it for your income with yeah. else falling apart yeah. during COVID. Um, and then I did become a lot more appreciative just to be on stage when that stuff did start to clear up where we were able to do the outdoor stuff more. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the first time 
I think it was after the vaccine was out. That's then I put together my first little tour and I was so proud of myself to be, cause I did free shows for a few like independent clubs and bookers across around the country and stuff just to help them get back on their feet. I'm like, Oh, it was a rough, you know, whatever year and a half for them. So I don't want to go through this period thinking I did nothing to, to give back or whatever. So I did that. And I was not in a good place on stage either where I was like, I, I didn't feel good about <laughs> taking the normal half philanthropy, right. half. Yeah. You don't need to pay to I see this. I was excited <laughs> to be on stage and still figuring out all the stuff I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I felt like I was a fucking hero for that, even though like, <laughs> like a back to like, hero save this club because I, I can pay their liquor license for the month. <laughs> but i mean i am the savior of comedy weirdly you may have done that for some places like if if they were legitimately like paying their liquor license with that show like during the pandemic like that that may have been make or break for a lot of different places you know what there weren't a lot of people doing that so i don't know how they paid it the month before (laughs) (laughs) shadier dealings uh pulling anybody back from the brink uh, one person $350 one club $10 like it's not the end of the world but um it made me a lot more appreciative to be on stage and try not to take that for granted which I of course have done since then but you know just like the other lessons I was talking about you need to learn over and over again that's one of them that you kind of have to um you know, remember what we went through and be like, Oh wait, we need to be appreciative that we can even do this and yeah. still be on stage again. Yeah. Cause I remember when that happened, I'm like, well, this is never coming back the way it yeah, it's dead. You know, this is the worst gone form because you're just shouting your virus germs all over everybody. And they're laughing it back at you. And I just thought it'd be the last thing to come back. So when it did finally come back, you know, I was super appreciative of that. And uh, I tried to keep that mentality for a while and like everything else that goes away. Like yeah. for a while, I was like, I'm going to wear a mask always to the grocery store. Who cares? I don't care what I look like. And I'm like never wearing a fucking mask. <laughs> yeah. I saw a tweet from you uh, maybe a week ago that said in all caps, there's a new variant. It's very dangerous. Dot dot dot. And then in the next line, it just said, "Shut up." <laughs> and that was like that was really an eye-opening moment for me because that was just like, oh yeah, that was that is silly now. That's very silly now. It's like just the same story every few yeah, months, over and over. More evasive, and it's worse. For, and it's like, all right, we get it. We're going to get the variants. We've given up on it yeah. for better or worse. Like, yeah. right. We're not beating it back. There's no more masking for two weeks to stop this spread and all that stuff. So, you know, it's going to take out the old people. Hopefully some of them will leave me some money. That would be <laughs> um, But if they, if they don't, and hopefully it doesn't evolve to the point where it starts killing kids because then I'll feel like an asshole if my kids die of COVID and I'm like, uh, you know, on this podcast, like, yeah, let's just keep- <laughs> <laughs> shut up. And then your kids are dead. And it's like, no, keep talking. Say more. <laughs> Why didn't you say more? From my standpoint with comedy, like I had just changed what was the priority for me. And then you know, coming out of that, I got to do a dry bar special, which was fuck. Yeah. 
And that was something which I felt bad about for. So I was supposed to record. Wait, you felt bad? Why? I'll explain. <laughs> yeah, please do. Record mine in March of 2020. And it was the first thing that got canceled. Uh, Oof. Me. So I was like, okay. Which ended up, what I ended up recording was so much better anyway. Yeah. So I'm glad that that happened. I'm glad the pandemic happened. <laughs> Save your drive. <laughs> Say more things we might have to roll back. <laughs> um, but then they offered it. So they canceled everything. And then they called me. And they're like, hey, you can do it in November of 2020. The audience, it'll be a quarter full audience. And Oof. they're all wearing masks. Like, no, I'm not doing that. I don't, it sounds awful. That this is going to be good for anyone's career. It, it, first off, doing that, you're just taking a shot anyway. I'm like, all right, well, maybe it pans out. Maybe it doesn't. But it's only good for you if you have clips that are very well shot and yeah. there's an yeah. audience there and they sound great because there are people that have done them, people that we know who have bombed on them and that it, it's horrible. They don't juice it. They don't add, they don't no. laugh no. and it looks awful. It looks and it sounds yeah. bad. So I thought that is not fair for anybody. No one's going to take this deal and record for nobody. And I, you know, we know a few people that did take that deal and recorded for, you know, a mostly empty room. And I feel I feel bad for them. I feel like they should have been able to at least reshoot those in front of a full crowd or whatever. Right. Um, but, you know, so I did wait on that. So I got to do it the first full weekend that they were doing it again. So like that was fun for me because that was the first like big crowded show that I did. You know, yeah. A few that had decent crowds before that because it was, you know, everyone had the vaccine. Not everyone, but enough people had it that they were comfortable being inside again and without masks. But I also didn't get to like test that the way I did my album and like really kind of beat it to death. Yeah. Like you need to for a special or a recording. So I had to record it under special circumstances anyway, where like I did some road work, but not enough. Um, I'm still proud of the approach and the work that went into it. It just wasn't what it would have been without that, which is fine. But um, like that was a nice coming out of the pandemic thing for me because it was some old material, some new material that I got from like these free shows I did around the country a little bit. So it was nice to kind of put all that together with whatever stage time was available. Um, you know, now, of course, I would like to re-record it now that there's plenty of stage time. Yeah, right. <laughs> but going through the pandemic of like changing a my focus strictly on this writing stuff and then B being more appreciative of doing stand up and then having something to work towards, which is essential, I think, for anybody in a creative field um, that kind of helped pull me out of things, too, since I was pushing towards that one goal, you know. And that's oh. kind of what I did with my album, too. Like, I recorded my album because I was like, I'm going to quit comedy. Uh, nothing. Yeah. Gonna, I see my friends are getting these breaks. I'm not getting any breaks. Um, so I'm like, you know what? This is something I control myself. I signed a deal to do that. And I was like, whatever happens with it, happens with it. But I'll at least feel proud of the stuff that I've done to this point. I'll have it on a physical thing. So I kind of did that because I wasn't getting any real opportunities that I wanted. And that ended up being something that helped me get those opportunities. So you kind of need to have those goals for yourself that will, you know, you need to leap before you're quite ready to, to figure out how you're going to land and you just figure it out along the way, you know? Wow. That's uh, okay. Um, 
And then more dogs come out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Bring in the ferrets. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just so, a ferret stampede. Uh, I one. wish we had 75 like 13. Ferrets. Okay, Jesus. Yeah, let's go Fuck. big if we're going to do it. They're like $200 a piece. They, they, are they really $200 a piece? Exotic animals, Why man. Not selling for, <laughs> for a nice ferret? Stop riding, you sell ferrets. <laughs> okay. We're, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're trashing the the self-conscious Casper Hallmark movie trash in the podcast. We're ferret breeders. Ferret breeders. It's a live stream. Holding them up. Like, here we go. Like an auction. Patrons get them 20% off. (laughs) Two for a hundred. Tip 200 coins and this ferret could be yours. (laughs) You want an albino one? Um, This is a bombing podcast. Do you have any quintessential bombing stories? Uh, you don't have to. Like, we don't have to end the show with one of your failures. <laughs> no, I mean, I've got a ton of bombing stories. I Thank you for being honest. It's so refreshing when a comedian comes in and doesn't say, no, I've never bombed. I mean, that's uh, insane. Those people are real comics. In. Thank you. Who, Thank who you. came in here and said they didn't bomb? Oh, fuck. Uh, I mean, I'll, we'll tell I'll you if you stick around for the Patreon episode. It's, <laughs> it's like every person when I message them. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> and here's Marker who's like, yeah, when should I show up? <laughs> I mean, I just, like, if you're not bombing, you're not doing it right. You're not trying hard. It's like you were saying, yeah. You have to evolve. You have to push yourself creatively. You have to take risks. So on Thursday, I did the Go Bananas show. And like that day, I wrote for hours. And, you know, because there weren't that many people there. There was a comedy magician there. I felt like that was an appropriate time. To <laughs> yeah, let's try nothing. Yeah. And like, I got a couple bits that really worked well. And I was over the moon about it because that's the process, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You try a lot. And then yeah. I had some that I was excited about that just totally ate it. Ate it. And I was like, okay, fine. At least I know that. Um, I was happy enough to have one or two good bits yeah. to, to take them to the next thing. So if you're not bombing, you're really not doing it right. Cause you need to be trying new stuff. You need to be developing There's That's the only way you can do it. You know, those are the truths that you uncover doing it enough, but like there, there's no shortcuts to it. Like getting on stage as much as you can is kind of the quintessential standup comedy advice and it's the same as when Jerry Seinfeld would tell it to people 15, 20 years ago when yeah. people asked him for advice. It's like, you know, he, he's got his famous quote about the comedy convention with the agents and the this and then that, and how he would put up a sign. He would tell everyone to go home and just put up a sign that says just work. Yeah. <laughs> and figure it out. And that's a big part of it is you just have to do the work and that involves bombing. Like uh, more yeah. than you're comfortable with, you know, that when you're doing free writing, uh, you know, for instance, like you'll write for 30 minutes, you might have like two lines that you're excited about and yeah. those right. might be nothing in the end, but you have to go through so much bad stuff to get to the good stuff. And it's the same thing on stage where you kind of have to do that in mics, do that in regular sets and you kind of just chisel it away and if you're not bombing, it's just, I guess it's more fun to just go up and do crowd work the whole time or just kill or, or whatever with your old reliable material. But you're not getting better and you're not going to help your career if you're not taking those chances and putting in the work. You know, there are so many. I, I'll say this. I've got a bombing story on my album, which was with the, the comedy juggler that I talked about earlier and just how much that was the only time and if you want to hear that story you can get that on pandora by whatever consummate professional what what was the name of the album seamless plug think fast okay yeah there it is i don't really the the streams on pandora are kind of inconsequential (laughs) (laughs) it's 
Sirius XM plays, but um, you hit number one on fucking iTunes when you yeah, dropped. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> a million streams on Pandora. That was like a big milestone. I celebrated. And Fuck like yeah. Maybe a thousand dollars total for all of that. That's and a bad decimal movement. Uh, <laughs> and then the Sirius XM money is so much better than that. Just uh, overwhelmingly more consequential. Than yeah. So get serious if you want to support your yeah, comedian yeah. friends. But so that was the only time I've had a set. My brother-in-law came out to that and I could hear him talking to the promoter backstage asking if I could be done. Like that what? Where I'm supposed to do, I was like contract, contractually to 30 and at 25, I could hear that guy saying like, can you be done? Jesus. That story that hurts. if you want it. A more recent one and this one, like this bomb hurt a little bit more because it wasn't like I was taking chances and failing. It was me having a set that I just used improperly. Oh no. This was at a comedy festival in town that I mentioned Wayne earlier. Wayne had a comedy festival uh, or bombs away at a comedy festival on 4th of July at, um, at the comet at the comet. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I was doing that set. Right. And, um, like that night, so I had that book first. I want to go on the record with this, but um, later my kids ended up marching in a Fourth of July parade. So I had to miss that to do this show. And like the priorities, trade-offs you make as a parent when you're traveling a decent amount for stand-up and just <laughs> to North Side. <laughs> no, I had to make those concessions. I'm going to be there during the week. Right. The soccer teams. These four months of the year, I'm only going to do regional clubs. Uh, just to trade off me missing bedtimes to do podcasts or shows and stuff, right? You don't have to stay for the Patreon shit. (laughs) (laughs) They're, they're in bed. Just write it out. Yeah. Now, once I'm out the door, I will not go home until I'm sure they're in bed. Yes. (laughs) I'm already gone. Fuck it. Hang out some more. (laughs) Get home before. I don't want to be part of (laughs) that. We have more Nosferatu's. My point, like, so I have made those trade-offs and I feel very comfortable with the work I do on both sides. But uh, this set in particular, I felt that was the first time I felt shitty about missing something. Yeah. Uh, pictures of the, them dressed up in their cute little form. And my set went really poorly just of my own doing. Like I went on stage and I did not, I was not present for the set. Like I kind of went on autopilot a little bit. Yeah. I got off stage and I realized I didn't even do the one bit that I was excited to do. On oh stage. shit. That you hurts. dropped the bit, man. So I was up here. I did a couple new things that I wasn't actively working on that didn't go well. And then I did some old stuff that you know, half the crowd's comics. They know this stuff anyway. Yeah. And I'm like, I just wasted that set. And so that's one that real that bomb really stuck with me because that, that was something where it's like it's not like I was doing what you're supposed to and bombing taking chances on new stuff. All right, well at least I know that didn't work. It's like I was doing stuff I already knew sort of didn't work or only worked half as well as it should have, and I didn't do anything new to it to make it better. Yep. And I was kind of going through the motions a little bit anyway. So that kind of hurt me from the standpoint of just like what am I doing this for? Like, yeah, what what's the purpose? The I didn't learn yeah. anything from it. You know, it wasn't like it, it, it was a huge financial gain or anything. Like I wanted to be part of this and you know, I had it booked first before they booked their dumb parade. <laughs> <laughs> it is on them. 
But that's when uh, I felt like really reminded me that if I am going to be missing those things, I need to be missing them for a good reason and yeah. to be really intentional with my sets and what I go up with because I can't be out every night. I know that now. It's not like when I was, you know, in my 20s in New York doing yeah. 15 sets a week. I can't do that. So I, I kind of have to be a lot more um, intentional with how I put together a set and with what I do with it and kind of stay grounded in that. Even if you go on stage and you riff, but at least you're being present and you're right. Yeah. The show. Yeah. You're not up there clearly on autopilot having it. And it's not even that it was just terrible. It just was a mediocre set. And I think yeah. that's worse. Yeah. Cause if it was a bomb, that's something that I'm doing and failing at rather than like a mediocre thing, which is me on autopilot playing the hits a little bit, yeah, kind of getting the order messed up on where I'm going with things. And then just, it was really underwhelming for them. And I just felt awful that I missed something from the family side of things without getting anything productive out of the stand-up set. So that was one that has still stuck with me. And again, you know, talking about the COVID stuff and trying to be appreciative of being on stage and everything and how quickly you forget that. I still forget that 4th of July set. And like for a while, I even kept my performer badge as like a, a reminder, just to like <laughs> put in the necessary yeah. effort of like, hey, remember how badly this went for you. And the festival was awesome. The shows were great. Yeah, it was good mm-hmm. to see people there. But me personally, I had fucked up my approach with that so much that I wanted that as a reminder of like, hey, you need to stay grounded. You need to stay focused on what you're doing and what you need to get out of this. Uh, and then of course I've since lost that badge and remember, you know, <laughs> and now you'll do whatever when yeah, you abandon your kids for a set. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just totally, you know, mess around. And I, I recently just booked something on my daughter's birthday. For the so, oh. you know, I make those concessions. So. Uh, you, you were talking about doing okay and feeling bad. Cause um, it was just like, you weren't putting the effort in. Are there any like bombs that you really felt good about? Like where you you bombed and you're like, okay, I definitely learned something. I definitely tried something new. Yeah. I feel like that is most sets. And I try and be good about like making sure it's not the majority of the set. Right. I'm still not a famous enough person that I can afford to like bomb in clubs the whole set. But even if it's something as small as like, all right, so I had a, a comic that was very well established. She's done plenty of late night sets and she was helping me put together a set and suggested a change to a joke that changed it from three sentences to two sentences, which is sounds like nothing, but it's a huge deal. Yeah, dude. 30%. That I just changed that in the set and I didn't necessarily agree with the advice, but I was like, I'll try this. Mm -hmm. And it bombed. It broke the joke. And and that's something you kind of have to do. That's, quintessential stand-up right is you take something that works and you chop away at it until it doesn't work anymore yeah you put in just enough back that it works yep. you take out one too many pieces there's it's... so many times and yeah. you can't even see that yourself like i had another um you know comedy booker lady or she might have been in a management company at the time but she had given me some feedback on a set i was doing and it's like they're they're obvious when you hear it from somebody else and you're like how did i not see this yeah there's so much i'm tipping a joke here by mentioning this extra word and like how did i not see that yeah how to make this joke faster or how to start quicker here um so i feel like if you kind of have to learn those things in every set that you do so learning that in the rest of that set was terrific because i had bailout lines and bits that were great surrounding that chance that i was taking but even in that moment, I was like, damn it, that's not going to work. All right, well, at least I know that. 
And then, you know, you start to like, you've got other jokes that are working well that, you know, are good enough that'll rescue you from that. And maybe some of the new tags on those jokes don't hit, but your set's still going good enough for the booker and the people in the room and stuff that you feel like you're doing your job. But then, you know, so even Thursday, Go Bananas, there were 10 people there, maybe 15. Um, and that was a bomb, too, that, like, if you had asked the people in the crowd, they would have said I did a pretty well good set. But for me personally, I didn't feel like I did, um, you know, because the new stuff was maybe 20% of it worked. So oh, 80% God. of it didn't. And so there were some weird pauses and stuff. And I feel good about that because you're so excited to have that 20% work. Yeah. Which is maybe even a little bit higher than the normal 10% or 5%. Yeah. You're like, oh, this feels great. Even though most of the new stuff I did, I spent hours that day writing it, thinking like, here's an angle that I haven't heard or is good to me. It feels truthful and honest. And that's, that could that really be something. And it just doesn't work at all. Instead of that being discouraging, I can glom onto the three jokes that I did that did get laughs. Yeah. And feel yeah. good about that bomb, you know? The minute and a half of that material. Yeah. That you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not even, probably like 25, 35 seconds. <laughs> but I know where I can put that 35 seconds. Exactly. Good. Right. Yeah. And where can you shoehorn it? Premises I was excited about, but you know what? You got to pick up the pen the next day and yep. go through your writing routine, which for me now starts with the gratitude stuff and then seeing the date that I last did this dumb thing and <laughs> gratitude and then shame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and seeing the, uh, doing the little writing exercise and then jumping into the re- and you do it all again and then hopefully get another few premises the next time you kind of do a set like that. Um, and part of that's selfish too, because I am at a stage now where I can get away with doing that on shows for paying audiences you know yeah as many open mics as i used to which is uh an extreme luxury that i'm always conscious of because an open mic is such a different vibe to it you know no shit dude bomb with stuff that would actually have done well for a paying audience because it's people that you know it's it's all the back of the room uh, yeah. yeah. And I, sometimes I still have that if I'm doing like a bar show or whatever and there's nobody there and it's just mostly comics hanging out. Um the jokes that you you do and that that get big pops you're like, "Well, I can never use this." Yeah. yeah. What I can't talk yeah, about. I hate the- when the opposite happens and you're like, "I tried this so many times in an open mic, but normal people don't laugh at it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've hit the wrong barometer. See <laughs> those comics though, I'm sure they yeah. like, yes. never do clubs, right? And then the first time they do like a, you know, go bananas or something like that, they are just it's a nightmare. Yeah. Stuff is so over the top. Mm. I used to see it in New York all the time where the people that were thought the clubs were lame and, and dumb and they would just do these alti shows and mics and stuff. And I'm like, well, who is this going to be for? Like, why are you doing yeah, this? Yeah. Right. And do it for real audiences. Cause even in Brooklyn audiences with like a real show with 50 people there, they would do this weird stuff. And it's like, yeah, it makes comics laugh at bar shows for five people. But right. these people are going to think you're a monster. Cause you're doing a huge act out on Rihanna getting punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Uh, so the, the thing that we like to, to button up these episodes with is just like a piece of advice or like a word of wisdom from our guest. Um, it doesn't have to be serious. It could be a joke. It could also be very serious. We've gotten financial advice from Dustin, uh, or, uh, Dennis Piper, Dennis yeah. Piper, Dustin, what, what the fuck? Advice? I don't want to listen to all the podcasts, but I would like to hear his advice. Just go to fucking Kroger and buy stock from them directly. It's cheaper and you get dividends and also it's local. Buy the stock from Kroger. Yeah. yeah. 
Like, just you can go to. You just go to the, the just and like behind the eggs, you can buy stock. The money center. You go there. No, <laughs> like you have to go to the the headquarters and just be like, yeah, I want to buy some. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Very smart. So yeah, yeah. what what uh, words of wisdom? It's one of the or? better pieces of advice we've gotten. Yeah, 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 it's it's better than the other example I give, which is what you said about your dick being up or something. Yeah, go you go to sleep with your boots on and your um, dick up. That's great <laughs> advice. I think this is a cop out. What I'm going to say is, but there, um, the best piece of advice that I can say is that you should keep track of other people's advice. Because right? like that is there is some some people say, you know, you shouldn't listen to any advice because you can't. They're just telling you how they would do something. But I literally have like a file on my phone of like other inspirational quotes and comedians advice that I've heard. No shit. Still sometimes go back to um, just because it, it like really resonated in the moment. Right? Yeah. So like I so I've got two files like that on my phone. One of that is just quotes that I've heard from comics that I love and respect. The second is like big wins that I've had in my career, right? So Hell yeah. Every year, you know, I started over and like what are the big moments? It doesn't even have to be a big accomplishment. It could be a specific club weekend like this one really made me love comedy again or a specific show or if you got into a festival or a new club that you really loved because you do this long enough like we talked about so much of it is failure you know jokes that bomb you do shows that suck and those really awesome moments are so fleeting that you really have to remember those because that kind of anchors you for everything else so i started compiling all that stuff just so i can go back and oh yeah that was cool i did yes or did that's amazing got into this festival that that was a lot cooler than i remember um, catalog your wins you need to have that because there are so few of them you need to <laughs> keep that going yeah. yeah and like even for you know stuff like that and i've done a crappy job of it this year but um so like some of them for, for me it was like my first feature week on the road in 2012 doing headlining the taste of cincinnati the first time I had a general meeting with MTV in 2012. I forgot about that. But that was cool. To- <laughs> yeah. That's dope. A general meeting. Um, and then there were a few like clubs and specific sets that I put in there. And like I've got it broken down by year. It's like my first college show. And, you know, performing at a college for 800 people. I was not the I was not the headliner on that, but that was still. You were on the yeah. stage, man. Yeah. Yeah. And so like getting the first doing the album, my first morning TV appearance, which those are a nightmare now. But the- <laughs> <laughs> for me um and like all that kind of stuff so it's cool to have that and kind of look back over over the years so that is a piece of advice and then just the fact that i can go back and i don't do it as much as i should but just being like having all of the advice that i've heard from people and i've saved so like one of it is here's an example it's like a quote i heard from colin quinn about like how on stage you can be anything except uncomfortable oh wow because if you're like nervous or unsure, people are not going to. They don't buy it. Yeah. yeah. Bombing. But if you're confident and assured. Guile's chickering. People will. <laughs> <laughs> Losing his fucking mind, screaming the F word. And it's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. But he uh, knows he's losing his mind. Exactly. <laughs> what else you got? Um, so another one that I like. Oh, this is a sports of Michael Jordan's. Uh, I learned to love the worst parts of it. That was his key to success. Ah. I learned to love the worst parts of going up to open mics. Yeah. Terrible 
writing by yourself alone in a room or hotel room or whatever. Yeah. If you can learn to love that stuff, that is going to make you really successful because everyone loves to be on stage killing. Of course. That's, that's the fun stuff. That's the chocolate. Um, and then let's see. Like there are quotes about, um, I think this is a Pete Holmes quote about like how stand up can consume you to the point of killing everything else. Cause that was him talking about like how he does it a little bit less because he used to think that, you know, and it was sacrilege that he would think this now, but yeah. he was in that place. And I've been in that place in New York where like, you think I've got to do 10 sets a week or I'm not doing it. I've got to yeah. do as much as yeah. you can take time off. Yeah. You, know, you can just do it sporadically and kind of finding it your way. Um, and some of these are just like self-helpy quotes or, you know, that sort of thing. Judd Apatow had something about how like the best way to write jokes is just to dig deep and get to a very honest place. And then the comedy part's not hard. The jokes are what's easy. It's hard is getting deep and getting to that headline or getting to that honest place. That's so um, good. Another thing about like, I don't remember where I saw this one. I didn't write it down, but whoever says the most in the least amount of words wins. And I think that it's true like politics. Fuck. It's just your yeah. Put a lot of impact into the smallest amount of words. We do wor like words of wisdom at the end of the episode. And you came here with a Gatling gun of wisdom. This is amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's not a lot of advice that people give that I will actually take. Like I still don't have Kroger stock. Yeah. Right. But I'm going to do this. at least three of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, I've got a bunch of those I, I think my one of my favorite of these especially just looking at them again is um there was an esquire writer chris jones who did shout out um uh, like a blog post or something about it just about like the rules for doing creative work and i would tell everybody to go look that up because that i think was some of the best advice i've ever Fuck seen yeah. it wasn't about stand-up comedy like a lot of its rules too i love just were like you have to be ferocious in your appetite there's no right process to creativity you must be disciplined it'll take time you must be honest with yourself and love the work the work will not always love you back oof his story he's got a story about i, I don't know if it's pen or if it's teller but um one of the magician guys right <laughs> who's learning a new trick and um, like he saw it on stage and he tells the story about how like he it, it looked like, you know, it looked like true magic. He was making this ball do all this stuff around. And he talked to him about how like what was the key to it. And the the magic guy, Penn or Teller, I think it's the fat one. Honestly, <laughs> look it up. You'll figure it yeah, out. Yeah, I don't know whether that's Penn or and Teller. He <laughs> still but he talked about how he just would spend hours after every show just hitting this ball and trying to make it do what, what he wanted and just hours after it. And that the, the key to it, to magic, is just sticking with something longer than anybody else would think is reasonable. Uh, the yeah. perfect thing with stand-up is that you get an idea and you know there's something to it, but you just, you can't quite get to it at first and you think about it. Maybe you do it at Mike's. And it just stays with you way longer. Somebody else might be at Kroger and see a weird interaction and be like, oh, that's weird. But like a stand-up will take that and be like, why is that weird? It just how is that weird? bounces like, around in your skull for years. Yeah. yeah. You do a killer bit, you know, eventually. 
And that magic is just doing something longer than any anybody would think is reasonable. And that, to me, it just like spoke to me so clearly about like the process and the way that you kind of have to put in the work. Yeah. And then, you know, someday somebody at a comedy club in St. Louis, you know, at the St. Louis Funny Bone will think like, oh, that was insane. That was <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. And you're like, no, that was years of work. Yeah. One idea or that one story. But um, that was probably the best. So his uh, Chris Jones rules for creative work is um, that that's one I think people should go out of their way to find. Hell yeah. Where can people find you? What are your socials? Uh, where can they find your album again? What is it called again? It's called Think Fast. So they can find that on uh, all the major platforms, Amazon, Apple. Mo- mostly Sirius XM though. Yeah, go get Sirius. Yeah, do that. Honestly. The money is so much better. That's one of those things I had no idea about before I record. I would have chunked my album together totally differently, but it's fine. I'm grateful. <laughs> Even if the plays are not the ones that I would want to get the most yeah, yeah. exposure. But yeah, they can get the album Think Fast and then uh, just add Mark Shalafu, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. TikTok. I started putting the, the caption clips on. Fuck TikTok. yes. Hey, yeah. But, uh, We're all infected. You it, you're right. Yeah. You <laughs> please the uh, overlord algorithm these yeah. days. So, uh, you know, going through those motions, um, it's sort of like with a similar approach that I took to the dry bar stuff of like, if this gets me in front of new people, great. right. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It's yeah. Not the end of the world. No but, skin off your nose. Yeah. I've got the material and some of it's burned. I might as well put it out there. Yeah. If it helps me gets a new audience. Great. Um, so that's kind of how you have to do things these days. So that stuff's out there too. Yeah. You have anything coming up? I think, uh, uh is this going to be Friday or the Friday after that? Just uh, in case do one of those two. Yeah. <laughs> So let's the, these shows the were either November. great and already happened, or you yeah, should I'm go see them. Uh, show in Columbus, November third. Uh, that's just you know, find my stuff. I'll have that plugged, and then fourth and fifth. That's too far. That's in Kentucky. I'm somewhere in Kentucky. <laughs> find him. Sort of animal fundraiser on the twelfth. Save uh, the animals, yeah. all of them. Ferrets, bring them in. <laughs> Oh, I'm at Go Bananas December 15th through 18th. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. Weekend. Yeah, there we go. A lot of Cincinnati people that listen to this. And then um, I, yeah, there's other dates. I'll plug Follow his socials. Atlanta in November. And He's going to be on the show. January from the subscribe <laughs> in February. Yeah. It's nice to get out of Ohio. When it's yeah, I feel that, I dog. I like that you're making the fans work for you. You don't You don't want to lead them too yeah. close. Just yeah. like have them put in the football. I don't want to tell them where. I'm gonna, I want them to go there, get the Instagram follow, too, and then... Double and There up. we go. Yeah. Consummate professional. Exactly. Fuck right. yeah. Uh, uh, you did- Lauren, did you want to thank our uh, Patreon subscribers? Oh, my God. I've been trying to get out of this episode for like 15 minutes because I have to pee. Kylie Dills, uh, Eric Newman, Garrett Teitelbaum, Tori Fagenbush, and... Uh, McGregor Lakes. I have to pee so bad. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Oh, we have a new one. I forgot. We should make this go longer if you have to pee that bad. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. More shows or. (laughs) Jesus Christ. This (laughs) 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 just.